0: Dixie Cochran here as usual with Eddie Webb. Hello. And Matthew Dawkins. Hello there. I always second guess which order I say you two in because oh. I want to switch it up every time. Yeah. And then I realize I'm doing it like the same way every time. And then I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make you both sound equal when I say your well, names.
1: I've yet to take it personally, <laughs> but now I will. Oh, okay, cool. But now Super I know cool. that you're trying, and I'm still always the third name. <laughs>
0: Well, that's the thing, is that I always, like, my inclination is to say Matthew Dawkins and Eddie Webb first, because Eddie Webb sounds like a hard stop.
1: Yeah. You
0: know? I don't know.
1: It's a good way to summarize the man. a hard hard stop. stop. Yeah.
2: (laughs) the buck stops
0: here. Eddie wow.
1: Webb. I mean, I'd be offended if it weren't kind of true. Honestly. You could have a little plaque on your <laughs> desk, you know, a little brass plaque that says, the buck stops here.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. Obviously,
1: Eddie Webb, the hard stop. I mean, I well, yeah, if, if you were a professional wrestler, it would be Eddie hard stop Webb.
0: <laughs> I think, I think you should just make sure that you put a period after your name, whenever you of write course. it.
2: Absolutely. Necessary. Eddie Webb, hard stop. Period. Or hard stop. Well, I have yeah. used to saying that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 all things I have to learn to do.
0: Exactly. This is one of our uh, few times recently we've gotten to talk for a long time before the podcast, which is always nice.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it's just been a, a time crunch issue recently, or we had a, other things to go do. So usually uh, our before the podcast conversations have been a bit truncated. But you know, it's nice to catch up with coworkers. Yes,
2: and and so we we're you know spending the whole time talking about all the people on Discord and how much we disagree with all of you and.
0: No, Dislike don't members. don't don't put that energy out in the world. That's well, not what we're doing at all. You know what I'm
1: really looking forward to is, as uh, Rich mentioned on this week's blog, as of time of recording, uh-huh. uh, the forum may be getting a facelift,
0: uh, yes. super
1: mildly. So everyone will flock from Discord. The mass exodus will begin to populate our new forums. I doubt uh, it. Yeah, so do I.
2: <laughs> uh, but
1: but it's a nice resource to have for people who like that kind of thing.
0: Oh yeah, I mean forums are definitely way better for like long form conversation or mm-hmm. like big reviews and things like that. But I I personally prefer the like chat app nature of Discord. You know? Yeah,
2: yeah. And, and honestly, I mean we, we've talked about this at the end of the episodes, but it's fun to talk about it at the beginning a little bit. Um, there's usually some really cool conversations that happen, particularly in the Onyx Pathcast channel. Um, Like after our isekai episode, we've had some really cool conversations with people talking about the history of isekai and uh, quasi in good nature challenging my summarization of of (laughs) slime. Um, Again, it was cool. It was not like a, you get it wrong, more like. I could argue this, but you're not entirely wrong. And I'm like, it's fair. I'm remembering a manga I read two years ago. (laughs) Yeah. Also,
0: I mean, you were coming in going like, I do that about Sherlock all the time. I understand. Like, if you really love a thing and you're a big fan of it, it's hard not to like, well, actually people when they're, you know, 98% correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're like, but you could be 2% more correct.
2: Right. Um, and I I, I personally say that for when people ask me, like, for example, a um, friend of the podcast, Meredith Gerber, um, contacted me about Enola Holmes, like, hey, I have some questions about the Sherlock Holmes canon. And I was like, you have come to the right place. Let me talk to you for hours about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, i I I've definitely had people come to me ask questions about things like Sailor Moon, you know, and just be like, hey, you have. You have knowledge on this subject. I think the other one that I get a lot of questions about is just makeup in general. I worked at Sephora for so long. But it's funny now because I go into a Sephora now. It's been a few years. And I'm like, I don't know anything here. These are all all new products. (laughs) That must be very exciting
1: for you, though, as a customer.
0: It kind of is, although I do miss my discount. I'm not going to lie. Yeah.
2: I just imagine you as Gandalf, like, I have no memory of this place.
0: Pretty much. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I don't
2: know. Dixie the White.
1: Dixie the (laughs) White. I, uh, I'm not sure what I well actually people about, you know, probably no, it isn't no, I guess it you may maybe You, you. had
2: an entire YouTube channel with actually people about vampire for a
1: while. <laughs> ah, that's not true. I always approached my subject matter from a friendly tone. I was always complimentary about I it. Know, I was trying I to enlighten the ignorant masses, Eddie, <laughs> because they all had their misapprehensions about the true meaning of vampire, which as we know is love, friendship, and blood bonds to last forever. Uh, <laughs> I, I, mm-hmm. I think it's probably critical views of HBO television series if I was on a quiz show and that was my speciality subject. Uh, not just HBO, but a lot of premium dramas starting from Lost onwards.
0: Prestige TV, as yes, they Yes,
1: prestige television. Uh, uh, or cinema-adjacent television, I have heard it referred to as. Uh, really? Yeah, 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 it's an awful, clunky uh, terrible set of words. Uh, yeah. I... I often develop views from a critical standpoint and Mm -hmm. i do get frustrated with people who who isn't necessarily people who have a a different opinion if someone doesn't like something that i like that's absolutely fine Mm -hmm. it's if there's a subtext and they completely blow past it or yeah. misinterpret right. it, then my brow will start furrowing, I will start dribbling, uh, the rabies <laughs> will start showing, and I'll go, no! No! No, 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 no! Like uh, Don uh, in uh, Sexy Beast. Uh, Ray Winston and Ben Kingsley there. Sir Ben Kingsley, sorry. Sir Ben Kingsley, thank you.
0: For, yes. for, for what I was worth, when I said that you get the urge to, well, actually, most of us do keep it on the inside, was what I meant. <laughs> right, Like, I... I will actually people in my brain when it comes to certain things, and usually I'm like eh, it's not worth it.
2: But it's, it's funny, like I have reached the point where, like, depending on how the conversation goes, I don't mind. Especially if it's an area I'm not as knowledgeable about. Like uh, again, in the Discord, uh, someone was like, "It's I find this part of how the how isekai evolved and and how it became such a strong genre of light novels." And I was like, "I don't know about this. Please tell me more." And I'm waiting yeah. for a response. I'm actually genuinely curious. This is a part I have no knowledge of. Please enlighten me.
0: There's also, um, I think for a while, and like this is maybe in like the 2010s, maybe just before, I've forgotten. Um, There's also a moment in Japanese publishing where they were like, no more isekai. Oh, really? Everything <laughs> is isekai. Stop it. Stop <laughs> it with the isekai. Um, just because it, 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 it did become like kind of a sensation, which is what that other person was talking about, mm-hmm. um, to the point where, you know... It got it got too much, which I think happens every now started. and then in, in in pop culture in general. Yeah. Where it's like, no more zombies, no more yes. this. Like, I us say zombies numbers.
1: became a, a big thing for a while there. I wish yeah. there was a no more zombies mandate.
0: I I like zombie stuff. I just like I love was...
1: zombie stuff for, uh, up to a point.
0: Yeah, but then but when when you've got like you know ten different TV series that are pretty much the same basic premise, right? And only three of them are like
2: super good. Or arguably, superheroes have reached that point right now.
0: Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I still think people are doing interesting takes in the superhero genre, right. and there are still stories I'm excited to see in the future. Mm-hmm. But I do like the fact that like the MCU has leaned into exploring some like side stories and things like that. I love that, you know, with with, with, with things like Peacemaker, we're exploring very odd characters. Yep. Yeah. Um. So there are people doing interesting things in superhero. Also, there's that new show on Netflix, Guardians of Justice. I think that's oh. entirely like a send up of the, super, the superhero genre, a la the boys and some other stuff oh, that's interesting. From, from what I have heard it's it is on my to watch list I have not watched it so if I was incorrect about that don't at me mm-hmm. um I think it's mixing animation and live action oh the trailer I don't know it, like I I heard somebody on a podcast who I trust say it was very good and because of that I am going to at least give it a shot uh sure. because it's somebody whose taste generally aligns with mine um but if it's terrible that's not my fault it's because their <laughs> taste aligns with mine so if anybody else goes to watch it who listens to this. Yeah. But if it is what it sounds like it is, it could be good Aber inspiration.
1: There was I don't, a, I don't know if you noticed there was a, or saw the announcement there's a Walking Dead TTRPG coming out from from my I good saw. friends at Free League.
0: I love Free League. Uh,
1: that they have yet to release a badly laid out book <laughs> which is a strange compliment I know, but it's true. Uh, their books are always beautiful they they, they
2: really are uh, I just uh, got uh, Psy underscore Borg recently oh it's so gorgeous
1: and I, while well, I have a certain amount of, uh, when it comes to zombies, of course, knowing that Free League um, releasing a game about zombies, uh, which I'm sure won't be any better than Disturbia Rising Evolution. I mean, how yeah. can it be? Uh, so there, by that. Uh, I did see <laughs> on RPGNet, I just found it, a comment following the announcement, which I thought summed it up perfectly, which said, hmm, if they really want to emulate the show they'll need some sort of mechanic where nothing of consequence happens for 90% of your playtime and then PCs are randomly culled off an arbitrary and sensationalist fashion at the end of a session then you repeat (laughs) until player fatigue sets in
0: You mean like the reason I quit watching the show?
1: (laughs) Yes, exactly.
0: I have to rewind a little bit because since I mentioned it, I have gone to the Wikipedia page and now I have to actually pitch this show to y'all. Oh no. Um, So the Guardians of Justice, uh, it's by Adi Shankar, who did Castlevania and um, Dread. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a live action adult animated mixed media superhero television series. Uh, It is a satire of DC Comics and Justice League and it stars Diamond Dallas Page.
2: What? As Nighthawk,
0: a parody of an older grizzled Batman. Oh my god. Um, the the plot synopsis for the beginning is after defeating Robo Hitler and ending World War III, <laughs> peace has been maintained on Earth for 40 years thanks to the alien superhero Marvelous Man, played by Will Udin Lee. In 1987, this piece is thrown into chaos with Marvelous Man's death. His former lieutenant, Nighthawk, investigates his death with the help of the idealistic hero, The Speed, in order to prevent nuclear war and World War IV. It's got Christopher Judge in it, it's got Denise Richards. Um, it's really? got Yeah. <laughs>
1: Is is this live action or a cartoon?
0: It's, it is mixed. It is. It is part live action, part
1: cartoon. Oh, okay. Well, I I could give it a watch. We'll we'll see. Yeah,
0: I'm just saying based on like things that I y'all like.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that that does seem like it's right up my alley.
0: Yeah, and also, for, for what it sounds like, it sounds like it actually could be really good. Aberrant Fodder, even though it's set in the past, on some level, an alternate history, as it were.
2: Well, I mean, well,
1: speaking of alternate history. There exactly okay never mind yeah,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well now you go ahead you no, no, no 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 the, the transition has already happened i can no longer fight against it okay well speaking of alternate history i thought we'd speak to you matthew about trinity continuum <laughs> aether is it aether or is it ether i've heard it pronounced either way well i matthew. say
0: aether when it comes to that i say ether talking about the chemical but yeah the, what about the, you
1: me as in Matthew? or Yes, because i am taking
0: back over his host as so you just <laughs> yanked it out of my hand for no fucking reason.
1: Because I was just give, I felt like I was given it on a platter.
0: Don't, yeah, but don't interview yourself.
1: <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time.
0: If you want to do that, me and Eddie should just leave. Eddie, do you want to go get lunch?
1: Oh, cool, yeah. I'd love to have lunch with you. Right, cool. Yeah, <laughs> you live locally. <laughs> so, yeah, i the 12 you hours. Meet, yeah, by the time you meet up, I might be done with my interview. <laughs> uh so yeah yeah how do i pronounce it i tend to toward aether uh though i actually enjoy that there are multiple pronunciations because that's how life works and if there's a word that we in the 21st century are pronouncing in two different ways bowie bowie buoy uh that depends
0: on the context
1: yeah well uh, i've never heard bowie
0: yeah, I never heard that. You've one.
1: never heard people call David Bowie David Bowie. Well, Ooh. no,
0: I've heard wrong people say that, and then I've corrected oh. them because that's oh, not his name.
1: And I've heard Kim Basinger, Kim Basinger. Uh, but anyway, uh, the uh, obviously I it was the, these and there. See, there's a third one. <laughs> Point being, Barrington. if we if we can if we can debate these things, why not also debate the correct pronunciation of Aether, which is Aether? <laughs> <laughs> that's <On>. why
2: not. <laughs> So, okay, so so here's an interesting digression about pronunciation keys in role playing games uh, mm-hmm. because they fall in and out of fashion. Right. And on some level, I am artistically of the mind that we don't put those in because that is how language evolves and changes, right? It's like people in different regions pronounce things differently. And then over time, either one pronunciation kind of floats to the top or mm-hmm. it just stays regionalized yeah. aluminum aluminum if you will you know whatever um sometimes these things just bifurcate uh and i felt that way for patient zero for this is a right mm-hmm. um i i've heard lots of different ways of pronouncing it and i've also found out that some of the some of them are all valid and not mutually exclusive which is fascinating but
0: yeah no i i say it a very specific way and it's the way that i was taught to say it which mm. is it's
2: like, Right. Which is
0: so. kind of like I think it's a Hungarian adjacent.
2: Right. Whereas I think the soft C is more Polish. Yeah. And um, it's
1: isn't it a Greek word. That I don't know. Um where they don't even have soft C's. So uh,
0: there will be Zmiki. Yeah.
2: But but then like, you know, um after one point in time Vampire did put pronunciation keys in early editions. They put pronunciation keys in, and then afterwards stopped doing it. And it's interesting to me that those pronunciation keys exist, but it didn't actually standardize pronunciations because at one point in time, an official pronunciation for the clan did exist. Mm-hmm. Just people just ignored it. Well, I
1: mean, it did for some people. Uh, speaking <laughs> of well, actually, here uh, we go. Uh, see? See? Most see? most of them were larpers. Uh, I think you'll find it's pronounced yes. Tramare. <laughs> Well, this is the Bruja Bruja
2: conversation. Yeah. And the
0: Camarilla Camarilla. Right. Yeah. Because uh-huh. I I was saying Camarilla because it had a double L and it looked vaguely Spanish to me. I was 15, 14, whatever. Right. And then all my other friends said Camarilla. So I was like, oh, okay. I guess we're saying Camarilla because they were equating it to like Carmilla. Mm. Right. Right. Right? Well, and, like, mm.
1: and in the world below, here you go, here's a mm. teaser. Uh, mm. There's a, uh, a community called, and I'll spell it out, uh, the Q E O B A C A dynasty. Okay. And I've written it up that most outsiders to this group refer to them as the Queer backer. Quebeca mm-hmm. dynasty,
0: uh, see, and um, because there wasn't a U, I would have uh, said like Queb, Yeah,
1: and the and internally there is a v- incredibly slight, very soft W U sound. Um, so it's kind of. Uh, you know it's it's just just there it's it's a hair thin but Mm -hmm. it's just referenced there in the lore of this community just briefly to provide some sort of distinction to say you know we know if you're one of us because you'll pronounce it correctly right? Uh, but i like that kind of dialectic uh nuance in a Mm. game, much as with Bruja, Bruja, Camarilla, Camarilla, because it tells you is this an elder vampire, is it a neonate who probably isn't an American neonate who probably isn't going to give much of a toss about how this sect's Mm -hmm. name was pronounced when it was formed.
2: Mm -hmm. And so like Going back to, to like Aether, it's like, uh, there probably wasn't, I guess because it's a, a, a lot of, if I remember correctly, a lot of secret societies, ultimately, mm-hmm. there probably wasn't a standardized place where it's like, this is how this is pronounced.
0: Also, that, that said, I have gone back and looked at the cover for mm-hmm. it, and because the A and E aren't joined, I'm going to say Aether. Now, if they were joined, it would be ether, like Eon, which I know a lot of us say eon, but it should be Eon because they're joined, and that's how that letter works, generally.
1: Unless we're Danish, in which case it would be ether.
0: Well, I'm not. I'm not Danish. (laughs) Well,
1: but there may be a Danish Danish character. Yeah,
0: it's true. I probably wouldn't attempt an accent or anything. I would just be like, "Hello, I'm Danish." Like, "Mm." Uh,
1: I'm I'm (laughs) looking for. I'm looking forward to the next forty minutes of this discussion, where all we do is debate the the title (laughs) and its pronunciation. So, how do you pronounce (laughs) Trinity? (laughs) (laughs) Trinity.
0: What I'm waiting Try. for is to get to Gog and Magog because that's one thing that I do know how to say properly. Mm-hmm. And I'm waiting for all the people who are going to hear me say Magog and be like, what the fuck? It's
1: Magog. It's, it's Magog.
0: That... It's always been Gog and Magog.
1: I know. I just think of it from a um, a southerner uh, who has a dog, um, but for whatever reason <laughs> refers to it as his Gog. So it says, that's Magog. Did I you d-
0: ever... <laughs> did you... Okay, this is a weird, weird niche thing, but I, I swear to God, it ties in. So the first time I ever saw those words was in one of the Anne of Green Gables books.
1: Yeah. Really? Um,
0: yeah, okay, yeah. So when she's in college, or her, I, I, th- I think it's when she's in college. It might be just after. Anyway, her and some of her friends are essentially renting a house from this lady or, like, living with this lady at, like, a boarding house. Mm-hmm. And this woman has, like, a very lovely description of these two green and white spotted china dogs that sit to either side of her fireplace. Um, and they're named Gog and Magog. Mm. Um, and, and she always says, like, you know, one looks to the right, one looks to the left. Like, it 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 becomes a, like, artifact in the series that comes back later. Yeah. Because when that woman passes away and, and in a future book, she sends them to Anne. You know, it's a whole keepsake situation. But that was the first time that I ever saw those words. And I can't help but think about that book every time because at one point they tell a story or it actually happens. I haven't read them in a long time. But a small child runs in and points at them and goes, this is God. This is my God. Because he doesn't understand the actual words because he's a very small child. And so whenever I see those words now, all I can think of is a little four-year-old boy being like very, very, very very proudly saying that uh, to like a preacher, you know, or somebody who else will find it blasphemous.
1: Well, uh, I mean, this ties neatly into the Aether setting secrets that establishes that following the events of Aether, Dr. Jekyll and Griffin, the Invisible Man, become two China statues uh, an Anne of Green Gables known as Gog <laughs> and Magog, or my Gog in the case of The Invisible Man. That isn't true, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't hit you with the setting secrets nineteen and a half and a half minutes in.
0: Well, that said, let's let's talk a little bit about Aether. Um, and what what is Aether? Not the book, but what is the actual, what are we using Aether to represent in the book? Uh, What's the definition of it?
1: That's a good question, isn't it? Where to start? Where to start? Is it timeless, perhaps? Yeah, I wish we'd (laughs) explained it in the book. (laughs) (laughs) Because I might have an answer. No, it is... uh, It it is... I know this sounds like a cop-out answer, but it very much is a matter of your perspective Mm -hmm. because whether you consider it these I guess fabric of of physics, of life, of uh, of time, it -hmm. depends the purpose for which you're using it. So it is an
0: energy like the force in Star Wars?
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess, because it it has that flux element to it, which is of Mm -hmm. course present in other Trinity continuum books which uh, isn't necessarily something definable in the sense that you can bottle it, label it and sell it, although Mm -hmm. some people certainly do that with Aether, but some people are going to attach religious significance to it others are going to consider it a pure form of energy Mm -hmm. I think we describe it at one point as a essentially a different colour on the energy spectrum uh, which uh, Tesla is able to refine from from electricity essentially that he is able to synthesize it if you want isolate it and Mm. find that in it on its own it's considerably more powerful and wild in the sense that it has unpredictable effects than just electricity so yeah it's it's all these things. Now, there is a truth answer, which, as I say, ties into right. Flux, which I don't want to give out, but not that's fine. But only because it is in the setting secrets part of the book.
0: Yeah, uh, so many players don't want to read that. Don't, don't read
1: it. Yeah, if you back to the campaign or if you back it now on Backer Kits, you can get access to the manuscript and read that for yourself if you want. But I know plenty of people who enjoy playing these kinds of games and never wanting to know the truth. Mm -hmm. Uh, because quite often story guides will seed the truth or their version of it in the game and may not want to abide by what it says in the last chapter of the book and i think that's a perfectly reasonable uh view
0: oh yeah of course so aether is set in the victorian era correct
1: uh well yes yes uh it is set in that lovely late 19th century period where nothing at all horrible was going on in the world known no. as the victorian no. era uh, <laughs> the British Empire was at the height of its uh of its might well arguable I guess but um did span around a third of the globe uh, but it isn't purely a British Empire game mm-hmm. and so while we attach the though that word victorian to the 19th century because of how... Uh, I guess, pernicious in a way and prevalent, uh, the British were across the world at that time. Uh Uh, It is broadly the late 19th century. Right, And so it affects... Aether is not isolated to Britain or the Raj oh, yeah, no. or even America. Uh, but I, I think it's worth pointing out because I've I've ran Aether now several times. And a lot of people come into games set in this period, uh, even if I don't use that word Victorian, and they will immediately assume that they're going to be playing, uh, I guess, Sherlock Holmes. Right, or worse, Jack the Ripper, because right. the sort of vision of London at that time is absolutely has contaminated the view of the late 19th century mm-hmm. uh, oh, yeah. in good ways as well as bad. And I think we do a very good job in Aether of broadening the scope without presenting, I guess, w- without. I guess dumping information on you that you're not going to be able to use in a game. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, there's there's a lot of different societies that are set across that late nineteenth century globe.
0: Right. Well yeah, I mean that's 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 something that we also did with like Victorian Mage and that we've done with all of our other Trinity games is we try not to make them isolated to like one part of the, you know, Earth.
2: Right. Or yeah or,
0: or space, as it were for something. But
2: place. but also it's 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 interesting because um we have built up this pop culture perception of, even if we were to stay with London, for example, we build this pop culture of what London is. You mentioned, everyone in Sherlock Holmes. Um, and yet, if you look at a lot of the literature of the time, um, it, it's not the perception that we have retroactively, or at least Western culture has retroactively. Mm. Um, I, I'm thinking of a particular quote from a study in Scarlet, and I quickly looked it up because I didn't trust myself to remember it completely, but um, it was Watson talking about how he didn't have anyone to live with, and so mm-hmm. he, he went to London, which he calls, "quote, that great cesspool into which all the loungers and idlers of the empire are irresistibly drained."
1: Unquote. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. I mean, that could be a slogan from a member of the UKIP, right? Exactly. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's
2: it's 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 a very, you know, this is and this is someone who's trying to make a living so yeah, his writing. Yeah. You know, so it's like he he he's like London sucks.
1: <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's, it's it's also worth noting because the speed at which technology and society progressed in the 19th century, especially in Europe and America, but you know certainly not isolated to the, those parts of the world. Uh, we often look at London and Britain more broadly f- f- through both Dickensian eyes mm-hmm. and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle eyes, almost as if that's the same London, but. In many cases, there's about 70 years difference between the two. And the London of Oliver Twist is very different to the London of jack the ripper going around Mm -hmm. stalking people and murdering them uh the oliver twist london is very much a cesspool it is open sewers all over the place it's it's not medieval by any sense but it's uh, it feels closer to it uh whereas by the late 19th century it is fully industrialized it isn't um it's not the smell of sewage anymore it's the smell of smoke and, yeah, it, it's not strange miasmas floating around that are making you pass out. It's just smog making you pass out. There are now train lines right. cutting through the city and underneath the city. And, yeah, while we've set it at the end of the 19th century, Aether is one of those games that I think you can fit within any part of that 100-year uh, span mm-hmm. and and tell very different stories with it. Uh, it the one thing aether is really good at i found the the game that is not the substance or energy is you can use it as i guess a metaphor for the industrial age for the revolution
0: mm-hmm.
1: for the way that people of n- not necessarily great learning or money Are able to change their destiny and uh, you know, not I I hate to use a term like pull themselves up by their bootstraps, but it's that kind of entrepreneurial spirit Mm -hmm. that was common and instilled in a lot of people the idea that anyone can pull themselves up by their bootstraps. It wasn't necessarily true, but because some people were able to do it, it it gave that exceptionalism idea, I guess, legs, where, yeah. where it was completely absent before.
0: I mean, that, that, that phrase is hilarious anyway, because it's, it's meant to be impossible. Yeah. Like, right. It's meant to illustrate that something is impossible. You can't do that. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Sorry, anyway.
2: Um, no, that's fine. Uh, that's a good point. Um, uh, but you're right, because this is also an era where we're starting to see the birth of the scientist adventurer, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the idea that science can ultimately solve our problems. Um, and that's not necessarily true, like you said, but that, that's something that's, that's very much culturally believed. I mean, again, look at Sherlock Holmes. It's like, if we use science, eventually we can solve crimes. Or look at Professor Challenger. If we use science, we can you know understand parts of our universe that are currently not, not, not able to be understood. mm mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, th- there is very much the idea that you know mass media is becoming prevalent at this time period, so that even the casual person on the street can be aware of what's going on the way that no one could previously. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this kind of commodification of success is definitely in the zeitgeist at the time, and so having a game where you can literally change reality does resonate really well with with at least the fiction of Victorian time. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. A lot of people, you know, what, what's like, like you're saying, Matthew, when you throw around on the road Victorian, people will automatically kind of go, you know, it's like, oh, like London, 1898, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, when we're, Like, that's, that's also the time of like cowboys and the, what, like, a lot of what, what, what's an expansion? It was reconstruction in the US. Like, there was mm-hmm. stuff going on that is a completely different feeling pointing that out is always really interesting to me and kind of going like all these things exist, like happened at one time and also th- and also things are happening all over the world
1: yes
2: right because this is also the point where the Shogunate era is wrapping up well mm-hmm. so we're already so. wrapped
1: up yeah Okay, the, yeah. but it's uh yeah it's good that you point that out because one of the societies one of my favorite societies in the book uh in the game is the warriors of yesterday uh, the mm-hmm. uh kino nobushi Mm-hmm. uh who who long for a return to an era that they feel was more um more honorable more idyllic more mm-hmm. in keeping with their national values mm-hmm. now they aren't purely antagonistic although certainly the word nationalism Uh, has a very foul smell to it uh, Mm -hmm. and probably has done for the last century or so but it was a perfectly normal way to think certainly in the 19th century uh to to place your national identity before everything else Mm -hmm. and japan modern japan was very much uh coming into its own how obviously it's been through a lot of massive changes over the last 150 years Mm -hmm. uh, but it's a rapid change as well i think that's what is so interesting about uh, about japan and japan in Aether. this is a society both from a game sense and a real world cultural sense that is basically being forced through societal overhaul Mm -hmm. Cultural revolution, uh, the sometimes forced, sometimes willing adoption of uh, cultural norms from the West, right? Very broadly, uh, while also building their antipathy toward their neighbors. It's it's a really dangerous time to be in. East Asia. Mm -hmm. Uh, And these characters feel that with the power of Aether, they can wind things back or unwind uh, the the course of history and put Japan back to where they want it. Mm -hmm. Now... That is, is something that really interests me because it's uh, that, that popular meme that has been around for the last few years or so where someone remarked the 19th century is a time when you can get a samurai, a cowboy,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: a, a pirate, etc., etc., in the same mm. party. And yeah. the societies in Aether reflect that.
2: We have, okay. Okay.
1: Uh, well, we have societies that are all over the world that are taking cues from the cultural movements of the time and i imagine if we ever get to expand aether uh, in a substantial way we could probably go further with that Mm -hmm. Uh, as long as it was appealing and playable that's always the sort of caveat i put in Mm -hmm. in place Um, you know and also not just stereotypical and appropriative. Uh, but I feel like the societies and counter societies in Aether were really well handled. I was very fond of the author's works. Um, we do, of course, have the more, I guess, intensely scientific or explorative societies like the Students mm. of Tesla, uh, the, uh, the uh, esoteric Order of the Aeons, or Aeons, if you will uh through to i guess the more mutagenic and gothic horror societies like the immortals dr. Jekyll's explorers of the unknown, and then you start looking at societies that are i guess more cultural uh and channeling the 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 revolutions, the changes that were occurring at the time, Uh, and yeah, we're trying to put all of those in place in a way that all of them are accessible and interesting. Hopefully, not just to story guides but also to players. Uh, I I would hate to ever come up with content that no player wanted to play with. Uh, I I like I like to think that every at least there has to be at least one player who wants to play a member of every society or one society. But right. if if it has no use in a game, if it's just flavor, then it shouldn't be there, in my mm-hmm. view.
2: No, and actually, um, to digress slightly, but still on Trinity, um, we had a similar conversation when we were working on Anima, um, because uh, uh, I felt it was important to have uh, the security force, you know, I IX security, which is kind of their de facto police force. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted it in there because there are a lot of cyberpunk protagonists who are former police officers. But then during errata, it was pointed out that th- it was not clear that this was meant to be a-, a path for people who were used to be part of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, I don't, I don't want to play a police officer. And it's like, okay, that's, that's fair. And so we, we reworked it, but I mean, like you're right. It's, it's the, I genuinely felt, I think people want to play this. And then when I got some pushback on it, it wasn't, no, they don't want to play this is that I had to clarify what the, playable exit strategy was supposed to be for that society
0: exactly because yeah this is like in in your past
2: you know. right right and and so it's it's one thing that's interesting about allegiances is is that uh a lot of times in in training games overall they're presented as you're currently part of this and usually that's true Uh uh-huh but sometimes it's the i used to be a part of this and i learned something from it but now i'm more focused on this other thing
0: totally yeah and i mean so that actually leads really well into let's talk a little bit about some of the allegiances and what they do, Matthew. Um, because one thing that I always like to ask when it comes to a new role-playing game or a new setting is what do you do in this game? And there could be lots of answers, obviously. But I think that's something that a lot of people sometimes have trouble wrapping their head around when they're getting into a new game or a new setting. Because like in D D, like obviously, like you go to a dungeon, you fight monsters, you get loot. Re- yeah rinse and repeat right and it's a little bit looser in story path games and all, like there's a bit more of a sandbox to play in mm. and also we've obviously got our our three different areas of play um so what does it like what do some of the different uh groups do and 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 how do they do it
1: well i mean you can engage in drama intrigue or action adventure i any of mm. one of them works uh, but, i said uh, obviously we have
0: three arenas to play
1: <laughs> Uh, we in, have country and western. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think uh, Aether really lends itself to investigation and heroism. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I always like to make The Awakening, the focus on mysteries, the, the fact that it was a game of mysteries. And that's something I wanted to yeah. have present in Aether because I think it's such a strong word. It's is it's evocative to the mind, and the idea that aether is this recently discovered science, if you can even call it that, mm-hmm. uh, and as well as Earth being under attack from the initial salvos of a Martian onslaught, means that at its most basic. You have the investigation into Aether, how it works, and how I can use it to empower myself, how I can use it to defend my loved ones and my local vicinity, Mm -hmm. and also be heroic uh, in the sense that I'm going to try saving the people who are close to me. I'm going to try driving back these Martians, and I'm going to try and develop maybe a weapon, a means of diplomacy, a means of winding back the clock whatever the case happens to be. Mm -hmm. Now, as you say, there's many different routes you can take with a story path game, and this is just the most basic. The reason we set this up at the threshold of the Martian invasion is that idea of, well, there's no better time to start a plot than in the thick of the action. Right. And yet you don't have to focus things on Martians attacking and everything being a fight for your life, because, well, for one thing, a lot of players, especially our players prefer playing social characters over physical ones. I have mm-hmm. found, uh, so that's just one avenue. Uh, the my my favorite mode of play in uh, Aether is partly informed by the era. Mm -hmm. And that is that sort of mystery, investigation, deduction, murder mystery, something's been stolen, Mm -hmm. that kind of Agatha Christie classical, and Sherlock Holmes, of course, uh, of late 19th century, early 20th century mode. Pick a location that most of the time you wouldn't play a game in or or think of a plot in, whether it's in a chalet on top of a mountain or on the Orient Express. Mm -hmm. And now add aether to the mix and put a mystery at the center of it you can then have rival societies fighting over it, and it's those societies go back to them that i really like to play around with i love a bit of politicking in my games i think mm-hmm. it adds necessary depth to to the world and whether it's a murder mystery and you don't know which society is behind it mm mm-hmm or uh, someone, maybe a, an unaffiliated scientist, uh, someone who is at the cutting edge of Aether Research has gone missing and there's multiple societies trying to hunt this person down for different reasons. Maybe some of them want to kill him, some of them want to take him back to their lab and have him work for them, others will just want to rescue him. Whatever the case, mm-hmm. we've got a broad enough spectrum of groups in play that you can have all of these different clashing and sometimes complementary ideologies. And what's more, those ideologies don't always have to fall within the same, I guess, brackets of allegiance. Uh, sometimes the explorers of the unknown are going to work alongside the uh, Her Majesty's Planetary Defensive Pact because dr jekyll mr hyde may be a complete asshole mm-hmm. but he doesn't want all of his research destroyed uh given the massive changes he has uh, forced upon himself and others he wants maybe a way to reverse it and the martians are threatening that just as much as they are the good people of bethlehem hospital that the hrh pdp care about but mm-hmm it it's i know i think we've mentioned it probably once a year that idea of the masters of the universe christmas special i like it <laughs> when when he-man and skeletor have got to team up against hordak because it makes for a very interesting play and i think having those sort of unlikely allies uh, is is always a great deal of fun in rpgs as well so mm-hmm. yeah uh, that that's my preferred uh, kind of story in Aether. It's it's playing around with the societies and working out which ones are the villains in this particular story.
2: So to summarize what I've heard, play Aether to defeat Hordak.
1: Yeah, well, I think everyone should yeah. be trying to defeat Hordak. <laughs> uh, I, I can't remember... I can remember Skeletor occasionally having moments of human fragility. Uh, Hordak was just always a bastard.
0: They actually... I. I feel like you probably haven't watched the new Shira then, uh, because it is so good, and he is such a well-handled villain. Oh like, no, well, I, I haven't. Yeah, but... love it. Yeah, that that might be one that like in a couple years you could watch with like the family.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: because it's you know it is it's it, it's kids. It's got some mature-ish themes, nothing terrible. Um, and it's it's a really 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 good show.
1: Well, like, my I, son I watched recommend it. Revelations, Master of the Universe Revelations. Oh, well so. definitely
0: less adult than that.
1: So oh, well yeah, yeah well, fine then, fine.
0: Yeah. And like Well, the- we
1: went to see Black Adam not long ago and he enjoyed that.
0: Okay, yeah. I would recommend <laughs> checking out the new She-Ra and the Princess and the Princess of Power because it's super good and it's a really refreshing take on She-Ra. I was super like weird about it at first just because I had the nostalgia for, you know, 80s She-Ra because I grew up mm-hmm. with her and she was my favorite for a long time. Um, but I really love the update. I kind of wish I had had this as a kid. Yeah, like this this would have been a better show for me as as a, as a child. Hmm. Um, so yeah, no, love it, and they do some really cool stuff with all the villains. All the villains have very interesting arcs. Uh, yeah, love it. Total aside there. I just really like to recommend the, the newer Shira.
1: Well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> if you want to play your Eternia games in uh, in uh, Aether, it's a possibility because one of the main modes of transport or travel in Aether is the creation of Aether Gates, which is very mm-hmm. easily done, uh, alarmingly easily done. One of the things, we weren't criticized for it, but a lot of people questioned it when we collected feedback mm-hmm. Uh, following the Kickstarter campaign was shouldn't creating Gates be a harder thing? And that's kind of the the ease with which people can use them is kind of the point. I like the idea of suddenly putting a nuclear bomb into the hands of people who don't know how to handle it. Now, I don't like Mm. it in reality, but from a game standpoint, again, it ups the ante right from the word go. And while well, Aether Gates, you'd find it pretty hard to outright destroy something with a gate, the ability to suddenly teleport, travel to different planes, different countries, different the, the centre of the Earth, uh, Mars, wherever it is you should happen to go, and not necessarily have control over where that gate ends up, mm-hmm. is something that appeals to me a great deal. And ties into what we were talking about last time with Izakai uh the it's and you know it was a pretty popular uh secret garden narnia thing that sort of started spreading into the 20th century uh-huh. uh, so you can definitely play around with it from that respect and yeah of course alice in wonderland who we we haven't played a, a great deal with alice in wonderland in aether but it's certainly the right period for it
0: yeah definitely um so you were you were saying about like emulating that that kind of stuff. So what are some of the uh, like powers or abilities that you have uh, as a character in Aether?
1: Well there's uh, there's powers that are what's the best way to to explain this. Uh, so you have three tiers of character in Aether. You have squires who are essentially basic Aethernauts. they are your basic talents uh, and then you have gogs and then you have magogs. There you go. I pronounced it like that. How it's pronounced. It's a real
0: word. And, <laughs>
1: and uh, we actually changed up a little how those powers are accessed, not to any major game-breaking degree, but something we found through playtesting, both well before, during, and after the Kickstarter, was uh, we needed to clarify exactly who had access to what power, and what's more, make each power. I guess tonally distinct, uh, because the idea is that squires are the kinds of people that either use aether through happenstance; they, in other words, they don't know that they're manipulating it, or they mm-hmm. have a very basic understanding of it and aren't prepared to go further, or are quite happy with their basic ability in it. And so, you know, they are the people who are lucky at the blackjack table, potentially, or slightly right. faster than the average person, that sort of thing. And they have luck based uh, aether gifts. Um, pr- largely, predominantly, they are luck based. They also have access to the gifts and edges that are in the Trinity Core book, and in theory, the same across mm-hmm. the other Trinity game lines. So, uh, squires are definitely well kitted out in terms of access to powers. Uh, they're
2: they're 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 functionally proto talents.
1: Yeah, yeah, very much so. They, they have mm-hmm. some. I guess gaps in their power set where talents might not, because Aether is not just Flux. But yeah, uh, functionally, if you have played a talent, you would be able to play a uh, Squire without any real difficulty. Yeah. very cool Gog's are the one that has probably received the most change uh, from the initial manuscript to how it is now finalized these are uh, individuals who use instruments called apparatus or app- apparatus uh, to, to manipulate Aether more actively, they will create devices Rube Goldberg machines uh, magic wands things like that, they will basically have some kind of fetish that they will keep on them that enables them to use skill-based Aether gifts. So Mm -hmm. they are changing things through their, I guess, uh, they can change things on their body, they can change things in reality, but they are doing so through their own action, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. yeah. Um, So these are going to be the greatest inventors. Tesla is, mechanically speaking, a GOG. Uh, not he's not well, he may be a gog that he is a gog but he is also a gog <laughs> uh, and, uh, uh, but you do also have gogs that are going to be experimenting with their bodies they will be essentially converting their apparatus into medicines into into tonics that you could certainly argue that jekyll is a gog and Hyde is a Magog, confusingly, Mm -hmm. because Magogs are individuals who have got attribute-based gifts. Now, there is some crossover uh, for each of these, but this is the main delineation. And attribute-based gifts are almost entirely about changing uh, yourself and the world in monstrous, dreadful ways. This is why Mm -hmm. they're known as dreadfuls, hence penny dreadfuls in the game. That's the sort of uh, informal sobriquet. Right. And so uh, characters who may appear completely subtle, like the Invisible Man, uh, are, if he is permanently changed in that form, a Magog. Uh, he is not meant to exist in according to God's great plan uh, for the world. And they suffer these things called deviations, where if they keep basically bending the fabric of reality and physics then there's going to be some kind of punishment for it which is they will develop inhuman traits uh, and inhuman lusts uh, this is how dracula is a magog for instance in the game because mm. yeah he may well be immortal he may well be able to shapeshift mm-hmm. but he also needs to subsist off blood and can't go out in the sunlight you know right. that sort of thing so there's the uh, it, it's a typical payoff of, if you want great power, you're going to have to take a punishment with it, which I know some people don't like, but the, there is all, there must always be some kind of payoff in a game that doesn't just prevent you from going, I'm uber powerful at no cost. Otherwise, you kind of lose all dramatic, right. um, well, all, all access to drama, I suppose, if you can just be Superman with the flick of a switch. There needs to be some kind of penalty to, to being Superman.
2: And, and honestly, I think it's more reflective of the fiction of the era, right? Because like a lot of gothic fiction is about, oh, yeah, he t- he got this great power, but also this horrible curse came with it. I mean, that, that's yeah, very yeah.
1: common. Well, that's why yeah, the game cites individuals like Dorian Gray. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he's yep. in the Immortals, uh, who is, I guess, the huh, picture-perfect example uh. of, of someone who has, who has gained great power, in his case, immortality. Um, but there is a, a curse, but it's a very subtle one. In theory, Dorian Gray could store that painting away somewhere in a vault in a bank and and live quite happily. Mm. Uh, but his uh, a combination of arrogance and paranoia uh, prevents him from doing so. He always needs it to be near because he wants to check on it. He wants to make sure that no one else right. has got access to it, yeah. and he feels safer while it is around. Despite the fact it isn't, he isn't going to be. Uh, but I've obviously mentioned lots of gothic literature characters, lots of 19th century characters, and many of them appear in Aether. Not to, I guess, outshine the player characters at all, but to add a bit of richness and colour to the world, and make it feel like that 19th century fiction that you're playing in.
0: Also just having that familiarity is helpful, I'm sure. Like, those those cultural touchstones of characters.
1: Yeah, I guess again, there's nothing stopping a story guide from just putting their own version of Jekyll Hyde in a book. But at the same time, if you're a story guide who's always wanted to play Jekyll Hyde in a game, well, this is the this is the perfect time to have mm-hmm. that particular character recruit or antagonise the players. Um, I think I, I like to think of Springhill Jack, who is a mm-hmm. piece of British folklore. Uh, a pretty minor one all told as a like an opening level antagonist if i was looking at this like uh, i guess one of the old spider-man video games and the Mm -hmm. first villain you go up against is usually the shocker or someone whose powers don't tend to be world destroying i'd put spring here yeah, I put uh, Springhill Jack in as this is your first opponent. He's been going around robbing people on the streets, bounding over houses. He's terrifying people and potentially risking the exposure of Aether. So you need to do something about him.
2: Right, and one of the other things, advantages I think that does is even if they're not using those exact characters, um, it's good for examples because, like in a game like Aberrant, you know, we can kind of allude to popular characters we can't say mm-hmm. this is superman this is batman whatever i mean for, for lots of reasons right. we can't do that yeah um, but because we're now looking at public domain characters and also characters who have a large cultural impact you can just say oh when well, we're talking about my god we're talking about dracula we're talking about you know spring hill jack all this stuff. and then we're talking about the suppliers talking about sherlock holmes whatever then people go "Oh, okay i know whose characters are i now understand what zone of characterization you're talking about Mm -hmm. in a way that's a lot more immediately accessible than trying to talk around the subject.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mentioned earlier that this isn't just a London-focused game, and one of the societies in the game is the Caesar Consortium, which is one of my favorites. It's basically Moriarty and Colonel Moran's criminal syndicate that spans the globe. Mm-hmm. and because it spans the globe they can have their fingers in as many pies as you like you can set your game wherever you like and you can still clash against the agents of moriarty including you know just pick of one of the many many named villains from the sherlock holmes canon mm-hmm. and just transplant them into a city in which you're mm-hmm. running your game and that person could be uh I guess defrauding widows <laughs> or, or robbing banks, you know, going all the way from low level crime through to this person is manipulating someone at the very seat of government. And again, you can make things more political or more mundane, or you can make a Martian cylinder crash down on their head during the middle of the climactic battle and sort of up the ante immediately.
0: Yeah totally and yet like i i love having examples like that when i play games simply for the reason that you just stated like i'm not always the most creative at improving something but if i have a character i'm familiar with and i just transplant them and maybe even change their name if i really want to Mm -hmm. you know it's still there it's still familiar and it's still something that i'm like i understand their motivation even though you know i didn't i didn't have to make it up myself which is nice sometimes
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah, so we're getting a little closer to time, but I wanted to know if you wanted to go through a couple of the... Are, are they called societies? What are the groups called in this one?
1: Yeah, they are the, the societies. So what do I mention? I've mentioned the Caesar Consortium, the Warriors of Yesterday. Mm. Uh, the, the, the groups, the societies that I see as the most accessibly playable are the students of Tesla, who I guess one could say are seeking knowledge for knowledge's sake, despite the risks. Right, And as Tesla is the founding father of Aether practice, although Edison may, of course, uh, (laughs) disagree on that matter, Uh, you have the Esoteric Order of the Aeons, which, of course, ties into the society that appears throughout all the other Trinity books, uh, which is more about, I guess, the responsible use, exploration of, uh, capturing of Aether, discovering its risks but also its benefits using it to heroic ends not just for academic ends Uh, edison's unwinders which have been falsely categorized by some readers as antagonistic Mm -hmm. because they are ultra capitalistic i think that's fair to say but that doesn't mean that being an unwinder means that you have to be an ultra capitalist just means right. you work for one. So mm-hmm. I guess it's right. the same as working for Amazon or, or Twitter say, right
0: I, now. I know a lot of people who work for ultra
2: capitalists, <laughs> <laughs> but, but also uh, like I mean, you know, the Ghostbusters are
1: capitalists. Yes, yeah. you know? uh, but the unwinders are really interesting because they want the reverse of a lot of the societies. I think this is why a lot of people see them as antagonists because the fact they un- want to unwind Aether. Essentially, they want to uh, unwind mm-hmm. time. They want to unwind damage they want to place themselves basically as the people you call, the ghost buses you call, when everything goes out of right. control. Mm-hmm. And to to the degree, they will probably allow disasters to happen so that they can then step in and be the people that fix it afterwards, mm-hmm. which is an interesting prospect because in Aether... The use of aether is still clandestine. There's Mm -hmm. not that many people across the globe who understand it, uh, uh, who aren't aethernauts. And so the unwinders do want to get to a point where they can sort of hang their uh, shingle outside their their stores or what have Mm -hmm. you, or laboratories and say you see all these disasters raging across the world. We're the only people that can do something about it because everyone else has been running rampant. So they're just kind of biding their time for when things get so disastrous that Aether is open news, at which point they can be the heroes everyone needs. Right. You have uh, the HRH PDP, which is Her Royal Highness's Planetary Defensive Pact, which is uh, lots of red-jacketed British Empire soldiers. A couple of them appeared in the eighth uh, actual play I ran during the uh, Kickstarter. It's on the Onyx Path Mm -hmm. YouTube channel, uh, including one from the Raj. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're goal is partly in sync with the unwinders and that they want to defend the planet but their eyes are mainly pointed at the sky as well as Magogs you know they, they are afraid of Martians and what they might do and they have the the mandate to do whatever is necessary to save the British Empire and maybe the rest of the earth if, if it's there uh, you have the uh, you, you've honestly got so many societies in this book I wouldn't be able to list them all uh, right. But just to do a couple more, let's think. Um, I'm a big fan of the Three Prongs who take the, take the use of Aether to religious degrees. They believe that the use of Aether is essentially following a something of a course of transcendence. Essentially, mm. you are becoming a better spiritual version of yourself by using this, uh, this God's given gift. So, again, on the other side of that, from the religious aspect, you have the Children of Mars, who believe that the Martians are, of course, coming to make the world a better place, because you always have to have some people like that. I would say they're the most Mm -hmm. outwardly antagonistic group. While, of course, antagonists exist among the Caesar Consortium, the Immortals, the Explorers of the Unknown, and various other societies, the Children of Mars are going to be the ones most like Cthulhu cultists, because... They're prepared to sacrifice their fellow humans up to these invaders from outer space, mm-hmm. uh, just because they think it means they'll get slightly more comfortable seats once the ash has settled. Right. Uh, but yeah, yeah, loads of societies more than I've uh, listed here. That's but awesome. I do like do like there being uh, lots of different playable options.
0: Same, same. Especially when you can play, you know, characters from from the same society who all act differently or are different. Yeah. Well, Said so the
1: group. Yeah, uh, so yeah, you can all be members of the same society, you can be from different societies. The actual play I mentioned that is on the YouTube channel for Onyx Path, uh, everyone is from a different society, but you can just as easily all play members of the same society, and it won't break anything in the game at all. Uh, Really, it's just down to player fear uh what who wants to play what and communicating that with your story guide to ensure that there's suitable plot hooks and tie-ins to that society and that they don't you know just sort sort of come out of left field for no good reason yeah i mean
0: that's that's a drum that we've been banging on for months now about like you can play all the same clan and vampire you can play yep. all the same society yep. and ether you know whatever yep. um eddie did you have any questions or thoughts on aether before we uh wrap it up
2: uh and honestly that just I've been enjoying listening to this because right? uh, I mean, obviously I'm a big fan of Victorian fiction, but I mean, this is a, a really cool synthesis of uh, a lot of the high points of it. I mean, I, we initially talked about it and I was, I was like a little surprised. Like, Oh, we're going to add War of the worlds to this, but right. the more we talk about it, the more I think that's a great little hook. Cause otherwise if it's be a game, which just kind of just side and side by having the, immediacy of and also the martians are coming i think it really helps snap it together into okay now th- there's always something you have to do which i think is a very important for a game to do so i'm excited
0: yeah um i guess that my last question for your up is can you play as some of these canon characters if you want to yes
1: yeah, like if it's cool with
0: your story guy and everything else
1: i don't see why not I- aether's supposed to have been around for a pretty short period of time It's i think 20 years at the most at the mm-hmm. time of gaming uh, of game start and it's unlikely your character will have known about it for that duration, unless you want them to have. So if you want to play Dr. Watson, then I think that is perfectly perfectly acceptable as long as your story guide's happy for it to happen. Yeah. Uh, the, the, my point being that you could play a character from 19th century literature, and they wouldn't automatically become overpowered and scene-stealing by virtue of their coming from Victorian-era literature. Uh mm-hmm. everyone is starting off from pretty much the same power level. And therefore, Aether has that sense of, I guess, land grab to it that everyone is wanting to become the master of Aether. Everyone is wanting to master these gifts without corrupting themselves entirely, although some people care less than others. Right. And that means, yeah, you could you could play a Sherlock Holmes who I'd be interested to see what's mm-hmm. what traits you'd give him. Eddie, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know, there's no real uh, attribute for lack of self-awareness. <laughs> uh. I, think, uh, uh, I think that would
0: be a, 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 just a narrative thing, probably. Yeah.
1: <laughs> or And low-integrity dots, yeah. Well, yeah. low-integrity,
0: tons of composure.
1: Yes, yes. yes. Uh, when, when he doesn't actually know what he's talking about, he can make you believe that he knows what Lots he's talking
0: about. Lots of manipulation, yeah. 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 Mm, yep, absolutely. No, mm. I I definitely... like. I was only asking because I, I was thinking about the possibility of like a, you know, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen type game or something yeah. where like everybody is a canon character. Because um, that could be fun. Like it, it, it would be an interesting actual play to see, honestly. Yeah.
2: Or um, actually, uh, uh, Anno Dracula, it's it's mm-hmm. different uh, setup than Martians, but the same kind of idea of like something horrible happens to the world and now all these canon characters getting together to deal with it
0: yeah yeah totally so that's that just sounds like fun to me and i would totally play that i'm like i'm like yeah who would i play from that era you know it could be fun so with all that said if people want to talk to you more about tranny continuum aether or ether or however they want to say it around yes, you sir. uh if uh matthew where would they do so
1: uh, they can find me on MatthewDawkins.com. They can find me on the health site of Twitter at DawkinsMP. <laughs> they can find me on Discord as Matthew Dawkins. And while I am setting up profiles and other social medias, I'm not hopeful, listeners, that Twitter is going away anytime soon.
0: We'll be on Discord, though. Yeah, so yeah. That's one yeah. d- d- to talk
1: to us. Discord is the best place to go to if you want to speak to me about the games I'm working on.
2: What about you, Eddie? Uh, same. I mean, uh, the Onyx Path Discord is definitely the best place to find me these days. That's in my social media, quote unquote, site of choice. Uh, but otherwise, you can find uh, my work and ways to contact me on my website, which is pugsteady, P U G S T E A D Y dot
0: Yeah, you can find me in the Discord. Uh, you can find me most social media at Dixie Cyanide. You can find the Onyx Path at theonyxpath.com, the Onyx Path at most social media. And as always, many worlds, one podcast.